Welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. On this, our 78th episode, I'll be talking to Karen Corday, writer of note and karaoke enthusiast, about diaries and Sassy Magazine. Being old who don't understand Tumblr, and how chaps with an ass are just pants. We'll finish the show with our signature cocktail and let you know how you can become a guest on The Math of You. Editor's note, this may be the most janky and slapped together and noisy episode I have ever put together. I was using a new call recorder, which worked, except it would every once in a while just stop recording for a couple of seconds and start a new file. And it also put Karen and I on the same track, so you're going to hear every one of my verbal nods. And we recorded on a day which was extremely chaotic for the Roberts Brown household. I had a baby roaming the place testing out his voice. I had Junior the dog running around with his tags on his collar clinking in the background. Oh, and about halfway through, I had a grocery delivery. Oh, and every plane in Sydney buzzing my house. The resulting episode is a lot shorter than I wanted it to be, with a fantastic guest like Karen. We join this conversation already in progress. Diamonds are forever They are all I need to please me They can stimulate to tease me They won't leave in the night I've no fear that they might desert So, Karen, for those who may not know you, why don't you say who you are and what makes you a beautiful and unique snowflake? Okay, so my name is Karen Corday, and I guess what makes me a beautiful and unique snowflake, so I'm never not nervous. Same, fair. Which probably actually is not that special these days. I think a lot of people are never not nervous at this point. So welcome, welcome everyone to the state of constant nervousness. The other thing, so I've kept a journal since I was eight. So I have my entire life handwritten in many, many notebooks, which is a giant plus and a giant minus in many ways. And then... I also think about karaoke a lot, probably (laughs) way more than the average person. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about karaoke on this show. I know my go-to songs. Oh, yes. Talking about signature karaoke songs, I know I've got a couple that I go to. I've got my opener. I've got, like, kind of my first time up. I've got a few of the ones that are, like, my stretch goals where it's, like, if I'm doing well, I might try this one. I've got a few that I crashed and burned on that I thought I could sing. Eight days a week Mm. is a lot harder than you think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can, I, I can see that. Yes. So what are your viewpoints on it? It's like, what's your, okay, no one's gone up yet. I need to get the party started kind of song. Well, so I generally at this point always try and do a new song at karaoke because I've been doing it for so long at this point. Um, mm-hmm. that and, and part of the reason why I really like doing karaoke is because it's terrifying for me. Like, I think <laughs> I do it for the same way that people like 
ride roller coasters or, you know, bungee jump or whatever. I'm not a good singer. I'm a really bad singer. And I do actually get relatively nervous in like performing in front of groups, but it's also a giant rush for me. Like every single time before I do it, I'm like, oh, this is I've probably done karaoke like a thousand times at this Mm -hmm. point. That's how much I've done it over the years and still do it. But every single time I'm like, oh, this is a giant mistake. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? Um, But then I just do it. And, you know, it's that rush again. And and obviously I keep doing it. For years, my go-to song was These Boots Are Made For Walking. That's a good one. Yes, you don't have to be a good singer to do it. It's more of like a talky song than mm-hmm. a singy song. So that and it's got a bit of a um, swing to it too. So you can have some yes. fun with it if you want. Yes, exactly. You can do the little dance, um, you know, like the go-go dance. People know it, but it's not like a complete chestnut. You know, it's not like oh, this song. You know, but for most people, it's not. I've literally never heard this song before, and so that's kind of a sweet spot in karaoke. Like you want a song that people know, but you don't want a song that like everyone's heard like, a million oh, times. That everyone's heard a million times. So that's if you get up to do Unchained Melody at karaoke, you better kill that thing. <laughs> yes. Because everyone's heard a million half-assed Unchained Melodies. So true. So, so very true. That was my go-to for years, and I would do it, you know, it would, like, just what you said, if it, like, oh, someone needs to sing, I better sing. If I traveled and karaoke'd, I would always do it because it's especially nerve-wracking. I was going to say, sorry, sorry, if you you traveled and karaoke, are you the movie duets? (laughs) No. No, just if I was like on vacation, like and oh, I stopped I see. Gotcha. off at a karaoke. Like I don't travel because of karaoke, but <laughs> if I am traveling, I try and do a little karaoke while I'm there. You know, just to see what's going on in mm-hmm. other karaoke spots. Yeah, see, my my go-to karaoke song, like to get the party started, when it's like there's eight of you and no one's gone up yet, and mm-hmm. or it's just starting and no one's sung yet is a surprising one and it's one I feel very strongly about and to the point where I took to Twitter to talk about it last week mm-hmm. and lots of people oh, like, joined it. in. Go on. Okay, so I have a few songs that I sing on the regular. Like I can do Zoot Suit Riot pretty easily like in my back pocket because again, you can okay. swing it a little and people can do call and response for the chorus Yes, and it's fun. Yes. Like, that's an easy one. Yes. But the one to it's get, the, one. the one to show that it's no big deal and it doesn't matter how good you are is Petula Clark's Downtown. Oh, yes. Yes, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Because yes. everyone kind of knows it and can jump in mm-hmm. on those bits. Mm-hmm. But also, Downtown's a really good song. Like, I will say it. Like, Downtown's a Stone Cold classic. And it's a yes. really nice song. And it kind of stays at the same level throughout. There's no massive notes that will destroy you. And so if you kind Correct. of get keep in your range, you can still do a decent job. And also, yep. again, there's the usual, like you know, at first glance comedy of a guy with a giant beard stepping up to sing Petula Clark. Yes. Yep. Right. Yeah. So yeah. That, yeah. I'm impressed. That's a really good one. And that it, yeah. Downtown is such a good song. But again, it's kind of that sweet spot of people know it, but it's not like a chestnut. Mm-hmm. I always think of its really excellent use in the movie Girl Interrupted. Oh, <laughs> yes. People were talking about this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like the one part in the movie that sort of humanizes the Angelina Jolie character. Like, she's mm-hmm. such a, you know, kind Who's of... Who's otherwise girl. a hot mess. Right! And, like, you know, like, possibly a psychopath, you know? But then when she does that sort of downtown sing-along, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a really beautiful and touching moment. So, yeah. yeah totally. Downtown's powerful. 
Yeah, and I think that song deserves to be more than a Seinfeld punchline. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, also, if you get a chance, there's a really good Radio Lab episode talking about the history of, of that song. Oh, I will definitely check it out. Yeah, I'm such a Petula Clark fan. Anyway, I also love, I think Don't Sleep in the Subway would be mm-hmm. an excellent karaoke song as well. Something to think about. And I will quote my own tweet when I say this about downtown. Like, look, if you disagree on this, that downtown is a stone cold classic, you can come get these hands and like bring your rolls of quarters and your steel toe boots. I will fight you for the honor of Petula Clark behind the 7-Eleven off Cleveland Street, which is, you guessed it, downtown. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I will be waiting for you. Like, like for I real, agree. I, I cannot even like, like, because things I used to buy, like when I was setting up my, like my record collection, eh, collection, I will say that better. I would just order bulk lots of 45s off eBay because oh, yeah. like, cause I'd be like, okay, I recognize three or four of these, but what gems can I get? And if I get some crappy ones, I'll just take them down to the local place. They'll give me a dollar a piece for them. Right. And I found st- like weird gems. Like I found this weird novelty single from the fifties called the Martian hop which I cannot find anywhere on like digital music outlets. So I found a band called the Go Devils, which are like if Shonen Knife were like a 60s crooner kind of group. So again, all Japanese ladies just like really with intensely accented English, just like singing out. And that was actually part of Kimiko's In My Courtship as I played this song for her and she thought it was the best thing. Yeah, yeah, well done. (laughs) Very cool. So yes, and in the midst of all that piles of things, I found like two Petula Clark 45s, and it was Don't Sleep in the Subway and Downtown. There you go. There you go. Your record collection, yeah, is complete. Yeah. I I have that experience with hunting through 45s as well. My father was a DJ in the 70s. Oh, wow. A radio DJ. Mm. Yes. So I grew up surrounded by 45s. Um, So kind of a a similar thing. I would just kind of hunt through them and say, yeah, same thing. Like, oh, what's this? Like, that's a cool looking label or that's a, you know, funny name. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, you mentioned a little bit about it. So let's start with the basics. Whereabouts did you grow up? So I grew up in Swansea, New Hampshire, which is a, you know, very small town in the very small state of New Hampshire. Very rural, big, big trees in the backyard. I spent a lot of time like in the woods, in trees, you know, playing in the ditch in the front yard. Not a lot to do in New Hampshire. We made our own fun. (laughs) Well, I realized (laughs) that New Hampshire is one of those kind of states that I have no image of at all. I think okay. do it's you know not really kind of any kind of representation in media. So yeah, is it just all like big trees and stuff? Well, where I'm from is I'm from like very much like kind of you know farmlands and covered bridges. The the mm-hmm. town that I'm from is famous for having lots of covered bridges. That's kind of the only thing mm-hmm. that it's famous for. Are you familiar with Vermont at all? With Vermont, yes, I have. I have yeah. ridden a Greyhound bus <laughs> through Vermont. Okay. So New Hampshire is kind of like Vermont's like scrappy redneck cousin. <laughs> <laughs> the what are you looking at to Vermont's hello? Yes, exactly. I mean, the state motto is literally live free or die. And I mean, people take that very seriously. Um, I thought you were going to give me a joke one and be like, the state motto is you want a piece of me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, live free or die. 
is kind of you want a piece of me when you when you think about it. I mean, there's lots of kind of jokes and sort of general attention paid to, you know, like the don't tread on me with the angry snake flag yep. mm-hmm. kind of in politics these days. And I, I mean, I just saw those all around me growing up. Like, I didn't realize that was like a weird thing at all. Like, there's mm-hmm. lots of libertarians in New Hampshire. And, um, you know, that's that's just a very, that's a common thing. Right. You know, you gotta. So growing up in New Hampshire, among yeah. the trees, and yeah. uh, don't tread on me libertarian flags. Y- yeah. <laughs> what sort of kid were you? Oh, God. So I was always like a very overly sensitive kid. Like I, you know, the whole like, I'm never not nervous. Like that's always been the case. But you know, I was also like, kind, you know, I would like cry at the drop of the hat, but also like punch you in the nose at the same time. You know, so I'd be like, I'd be, but I'd be crying. I'd be crying, but I'd be angry. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I was always like, I really loved fashion and dressing up from a very young age but I also wanted to like run around in the woods and the first time I heard the term hard femme I was like oh that's me like that's that's what I've been since I was born so it's you know it was basically like wearing like lots of like pink and purple kind of you know crying but also like I just got in a fight so So, um, this is an odd question to ask but I, yeah. I I feel some resonance with this because I got into my first ever fight when I was. <laughs> thank you, baby. Ooh, baby. Uh, I got into my first ever fight when I was in first grade. So, uh, yeah. were you a fighter at school? Yes. <laughs> Crying and punching. <laughs> yes. I mean, it was like, but I was the whole school was like that. Like it was okay. a very. I don't know if it was still like this. It was a tough place like people fought all the time people were angry all the time there was just lots of fighting (laughs) (laughs) i'm just picturing like one of those cartoon dust balls like where everyone's (laughs) fighting and there's just like fists and feet coming out of it and they're like okay recess is over and everyone files back inside (laughs) yes no that's absolutely accurate like i had broke my collarbone twice before i was 10 what? And I mean, yeah. And like once was my own fault. I was like blowing bubbles when, and like fell down the steps of my house. But the other one was the result of a game that we would play at recess called Tackle, which was literally which... like tag, but you had to tackle the person rather than tag them. So it's not just a clever name. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, it, it does what's on the tin, right? It was, it was just... It's like we play a game called Tackle. How do you poof? <laughs> it's like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't even remember like how I think it was like you were I mean, it was like tag like you're it and then you're it until you tackle someone. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, my collarbone got broken during a game of tackle and tackle was banned from the playground. I was say, gee whiz, you'd almost think a game where kids will run headlong at each other and crash tackle into one another that someone might get hurt. It's yeah. all good clean fun, and- right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, so that that was the end of that. So yeah, so there was that. But I was also like, I always loved to read and write. Like I said, I started keeping a diary when I was eight, you know, when I wasn't, you know, (laughs) rolling around in the dust pile, like you just said, I was writing in my diary about rolling around in the dust pile. Exactly. This is this is I understand this is a very niche question. But if you've had diaries since you were eight, did you keep the same book format? Like, are there a million of the same like composition notebook on your shelves? (laughs) Or did it like evolve where you started off in like 
exercise books and moved on to hardcovers and then yeah i'll actually i i can send you a picture if that would be helpful oh, um totally. i mostly literally have the reason i started keeping one is because i got a diary as a present one with like a lock you know and it had like a teddy bear on the cover that's reading a book i got one as a present from my grandmother and i was like oh this is a thing people do i guess like mm-hmm. i guess i'll just start writing in this and then you know and i mean a lot of people do that a lot of people start diaries when they're kids for whatever reason and most people give them up but i just never stopped and so i would get diaries as presents a lot and so oh, i would so just when, once you've of... set that precedent it's like yes. the, the one aunt who remembers you like batman exactly <laughs> yes so I, yeah, so I would just always get them as presents, and I never even thought of, I mean, most of them, I, I, w- I didn't even really like the ones I would get. They would be, like, you know, these very typical kind of, like, padded floral covers, mm-hmm. you know, with the, so that's what I had. For with the a special time. flap for pressing flowers in the middle of them. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, so I just had those for the longest time, and then as I got older, I would sort of choose my own. But they're always pretty much the same size because that's what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I pretty much use, you know, moleskins or knockoff moleskins or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I was going to say, I'd, I'd recommend, this is just my personal preference. I'm a bit of a stationary mm. nerd. Cheaper than moleskins, if you can get them around you, are Rhodia notebooks. They're the orange and black oh, ones. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. real good. I am a fan of those. All right. I'll give them a try. Yeah. I st- I'm, I'm just still, about due, actually. I still like try to encourage them to sponsor me, but they won't. <laughs> oh, they only have Come a UK on, sponsorship right department. And I'm like, I'm in Australia. Just send me a notebook like once a month. I'm good. <laughs> That's all it takes. Yeah. They also just it have like it. the smoothest, like silkiest paper on the planet. So it's very good. Oh, nice. Nice. So I know I was probably like a lot of people in that I started diaries a lot. Where occasionally mm-hmm. I would have a day where I had a particular big mood that I would want to try mm-hmm. and write down. And I would start that page and it would probably be like, hello, diary. I am going to try and do this for a while. This is how I'm feeling today. And then mm-hmm. we com- like completely forget about it. So what in particular kind of kept you going? Or was it just one of those things where it was just something you did? Yeah, I mean, I think mostly it's just something I did. I've always enjoyed like writing stories in mm-hmm. general. And so you know, I started doing that but even before I started keeping my diary. And so having a diary was just like a good way for me to write every day. And it just became part of my routine. I don't know if it's because I started so young and then just kind of made it part of my routine. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just something that I've always done. Yeah, that kind of thing where it's like that sort of Harriet the Spy level documentation yeah. of your life has always been something that I've aspired to, but never even come close to doing on the regular. <laughs> well, a lot of it is very boring. Like, I, I mean, I have to say. Like, Dear Diary, today I got up and I ate a piece of toast. And then... <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is very boring. Like, I, I don't know if I re- talked to you about this at all, but so for years I participated in and then produced a branch of the show Mortified, which is a show where people read stuff that they wrote when they were kids on stage. There's a Netflix show now that <laughs> more people seem to be hearing about it now because of the Netflix show. But I spent a lot of time kind of going through my diaries trying to put together like a, you know, a narrative with like a beginning and a middle and an end. And it can be hard. Like there's a lot of just junk in there that, you know, so a lot of people are like, oh, you're so lucky that you have your whole life, you know, just documented and how and I was like well you know a lot of life is really boring like there's <laughs> there's so you know 
I mean, it isn't like Harriet the Spy. Like, there's gems here and there, you know, but a mm. lot of it is, is very, yeah, I mean, like anything, it's, you know, a lot of it is. Well, I can imagine it's also a bit like, because you're a kid documenting your life. You're not thinking mm-hmm. about narrative continuity or right. picking up threads <laughs> that you've set up. Because I could just see it's like, you mentioned something and like adult you reading it, it's like, ooh, that's a juicy bit. And it just never comes up again. Yeah, yes, yes. And that's different. So as I was sort of started producing Mortified, as time went by, people would start bringing in their diaries that they primarily wrote online. Mm -hmm. And it's very different. Like when you're writing online, you're always pretty much writing for an audience. And so people are more conscious of keeping the storyline going and, and things like that. Otherwise, people go into your comments and be like, Oi, you left this bit out. Right, what happened right. with Jason and the pizza? <laughs> right. Or they'll just stop Fucking reading, Jason. right? Like, there's a million things to read on the internet. Like, what's to keep them from, you know, from sticking with your live journal or whatever? I don't know. I don't know what people use at this point. When I was still doing the show, a people, lot of people I think people it's just like, like what, WordPress is still kind of WordPress, yeah. Tumblr. Tumblr. Yeah, Tumblr maybe. happens a lot. Yeah. Although, it's like yeah. people who have a Tumblr that's their blog. I'm like, just get a blog, guy. <laughs> that's not what Tumblr's for. <laughs> I know. I actually started using Tumblr recently just for a, actually a karaoke-related project that my friend and I are doing. <laughs> and it comes full circle. Um, yes, exactly. Just because I was like, oh, this seems easy, but that, like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get how to how like to follow other people on Tumblr and, and like the constant sort of reblogging that people do on Tumblr is really interesting and kind of what makes it special as a platform. But it's also something that I don't like doesn't gel with me at all so yeah it's it's useful in that it's always bringing in stuff from outside your network but also i think this this signal to noise ratio is always something that's put me off the platform where it's Mm -hmm. just like you know someone decides that they like these kind of hairstyles for a bit and so i'm gonna get 20 pictures of someone with a blunt bob yes right right yes okay so it's not okay it's not just me i was like i am 105 years old and i don't understand oh you want you want me to sound old asking about you know discord chat and stuff and i'm like i don't even know how to do it i've used oh i don't even know what that is oh god it's like uh think of a skype but it's meant to be for like gaming chat it's like voice chat for games except for it's like you have to know someone it's like icq level obfuscating where it's just like you have to know someone's number and then you can add them and there's a voice channel and a chat channel and then there's also like the equivalent of like forum threading and stuff and i have no fucking idea how it works oh my god my friend alex has been because we have a group chat on facebook it's all about wrestling stuff and my friend alex has been trying to get us to switch to discord for a while and i'm just like i don't know i'm old yeah right right no more new things that's canceled now yeah yeah (laughs) That's how I feel a lot of the time. Like, nope, no more room. I'm not going to learn about that. I'm like, oh, this is how it starts. This is where kids these days comes from. (laughs) (laughs) So as part of the setup for this episode, we had talked a little, like you'd sent me a whole bunch of different articles. And one that got my attention was about how you were the least sassy girl in America. Yeah. So (laughs) listeners, if you're like me, you can recall the times when there would be these magazine contests that would show the typical kid from typical area. And I was usually a Canadian kid reading these ones mm-hmm. about American kids and thinking it sounded like a weird foreign country and didn't recognize what was happening. <laughs> I know Australians have fond memories of magazines like Dolly that would, you know, have mm-hmm. your average kid from the area. So tell me about your experience with Sassy. Yeah, so Sassy was actually copied from Dolly. 
um, mm-hmm. interestingly. I don't quite know like what the genesis is of that, but I remember them always mentioning like, we were inspired by the Australian magazine Dolly. Oh, no way. Yes. So that's, that's a fun little connection there. Mm-hmm. So Sassy was a teen magazine that started, I believe, in the mid-80s. Um, I kind of became aware of it around like 1988 or so, but I think it was a little bit older than that. And it was sort of presented as an alternative to like 17 and teen and all that sort of thing. You know, they had interviews with like people who were in like punk and indie rock and artists and like Chloe Sevigny was one of their models. And they like (laughs) found her like on the streets of New York hanging out with skateboarders. The whole staff was kind of featured in the magazine and they were all these very like cool like New York women in their like 20s and maybe I think that the editor was 30. Good Lord. Right. And that was like, whoa. And so the editor was Jane Pratt, who later went on to have Jane magazine. And then, of course, the infamous XO Jane, which I you know, don't really want to get into, but yeah. was a very different kind of thing, as we all know. So Jane and, and the other editors who were people like Kim France, Christina Kelly, this woman, Margie. So all of these like writers and editors, you know, kind of made themselves parts of the magazine. And, and it was this very like kind of cool older sister chatty vibe so as I said before I was you know living in extremely rural New Hampshire and for a long time sassy and college radio were kind of my only connections to anything that was sort of like of that ilk you know like that's Mm -hmm. how I you know uh, had indie rock punk like any of that sort of thing that was the only exposure that I had to it so I was pretty obsessed with it and then sassy had this contest that a lot of magazines had like you said where you would enter to be the sassiest girl in America. So I entered the contest a few times and, you know, obviously never got picked and was, you know, like just very bad at it because I was not particularly sassy at all. I was a pretty like, you know, overly sensitive kind of scrappy, nerdy kid. Who had a fight club every recess. Right, exactly. And like all like kind of coolness that I had, which was kind of what they were looking for, I think, just came from the magazine itself. So like I wasn't really going to like bring anything new to the table in that respect. So that was always just kind of my, you know, I would try that and kind of fail. But I always had this dream. I mean, I still have this dream to this day that like someone cooler and I I mean, I don't even know who's older than me at this point who would do this, but like that some like kind of cooler, older big sister figure would like seek me out and be like, I see you and I accept you. And like, I'm bringing you up here to be where I am. You know know what I think is the equivalent now as we're adults (laughs) It's like those yeah. like skinny columns on the side of the like one of the inserts in the newspaper where they'll like yeah. talk to like a local actor or someone yeah. and be like, describe your perfect Sunday, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. If you yes. had to have one album for the rest of your life, what would it be? And just stuff like that. So it's like right. to be the person where you could ex- espouse your wisdom about, you know, late lunches in beer gardens or fish and chips near the beach or something and just be like, right, exactly. Yeah, be the person that somebody actually wants to know your feelings on fish and chips and your ultimate Sunday, right? Yeah, totally. I think it's actually the crossover between salty air near the sea. And like, (laughs) it's like, because it gets in your nose and and because you're smelling it, and it hits your taste buds on the way by. And then you're just like, "Mm, I I need like, I need like fish and chips right now. 
or like or yeah. even better like something like salt and pepper calamari and chips because it's that mm. extra salty kind of umami thing going on yes i love it see that's a perfect answer like and this is the thing like anybody who they're going to ask about that is not going to have a better answer than that right like just because <laughs> they've been like chosen to be in the column like that doesn't make their answer any more like relevant or real i prefer and, smoked you know, salmon and artichoke sandwiches <laughs> it's like right. shut up who, you were incorrect who cares you're wrong that's ridiculous right <laughs> like, yeah Completely incorrect. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you over the sound of how wrong you are. Yeah, exactly. Moving on, turning the page. But yeah, I don't know. So that's always kind of something that's out of reach. Like, I still think about that, like trying to be a writer on the internet, and there's like a million writers on the internet. Like, just the other day, I was tr- I was wondering, like, how do you get to the point where someone from a publication reaches out to you and is like, you know, I'd really like to hear more of your thoughts on like <laughs> David Lee Roth's ass, you know, or whatever it is that, you know, that I write about, <laughs> you know. And like, what is it like to be the person that like is reached out to and, and asked rather than like chasing people down and like pulling on the hem of their garment and being like, would you just please let me write about David Lee Roth's ass? Like, uh, <laughs> I'm just picturing like you've seen The Good Place, right? Yeah. Like every time they go to press the button on Janet and she has to like beg them to stop and she's holding yeah. up a picture and like I'm just picturing that but with like a, a writing sample and being like, look at it. Look at it. It's about yes. Daniel Rosas. Look at it. <laughs> yes! That is that is what I feel like pretty much all the time. And it's like, what is it like to have someone be like, could I please take a look at what you had at that David Lee Ross ass? Like, all right, we've we've danced you. around the subject enough. What are your opinions on David Lee Roth's ass? Oh my god. So the- <laughs> <laughs> Dear Diary, today I asked about David Lee Roth's ass. <laughs> So one of the things that I do on Twitter to amuse myself and kind of keep myself from reaching the depths of despair in terms of constantly sending out pitches that don't get any traction is that I come up with these sort of like ridiculous fake pitches mm-hmm. that, you know, that I that I'm thinking about. And but it's a, it's an absurd, you know, obviously, I would never actually write an article about this. And one of the fake pitches that I tweeted about was I don't even remember what the actual tweet was, but something like like comparing and contrasting like the assless pants of David Lee Roth and Prince because <laughs> these are two examples of assless pants that had like a big sort of effect on me as a child and I think about them a lot and these are David Lee Roth's pants in the Yankee Rose video oh boy and <laughs> and Prince's sort of yellow assless jumpsuit that he wore to perform Get Off at the MTV Video Music Awards. I am now looking at the comparative photos. <laughs> yes. You know, I think Prince gets the nod for statement, although I got to say the neon pink crop top does yeah. land a certain a sousance of something. Yeah, I mean, they both have a lot to offer in this subject. But yeah, I mean, Prince wins. Prince always wins, right? And I kind of go into that a little bit in the article. But so I like joked that I wanted to actually write about that. And then I had pitched something to Sylvia Killingsworth at the All, RIP. And she wrote back and she was like, yeah, I don't really like this. But like, if you have any other ideas, send them to me. And I was just like, well, here we go. What do you think about like comparing and contrasting like David Lee Roth and Prince's assless pants? <laughs> she was like, go on. <laughs> so, so I was like, really? Like, I don't even actually know what I want to say about this. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> 
But, you know, I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, I had actually taught. I actually do have quite a bit to say about this, as it turns out. So it, it did turn into an actual article. Well, there you go, the kids. That's what you should do is if at any point someone responds to a joke in the pitch meeting, just start talking as fast as you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, can I, t- can I say a small thing? Because whenever I see someone talk about assless chaps, yeah. My response is always, well, they're chaps. Of course they're yeah. assless. Otherwise, all, they would be pants. <laughs> yeah, I actually got quite a few people reminded me of that <laughs> oh, <laughs> when no. the article came out. So I would like to take this opportunity to formally apologize to everyone for for stating the obvious in calling a pair of chaps assless. The reason I know this is because my dad had a pair of extremely battered actual like rodeo chaps. Mm-hmm. that he would wear when he would ride his motorcycle because he would ride it in yes. you know very hot areas of the American South and he's like because the engine gets really hot and it makes like all the metal around it really hot and so you need like you know a quarter inch of leather between you and even like jeans or something because it's mm-hmm. like it will burn your skin so you need to wear those yeah. and so yeah. he had them in my house and it was just one of those things I didn't question and I remember mentioning yeah. to someone like when I was a teenager and going why does your dad have assless chaps? And I'm going, no, they're, they're for his motorcycle. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Do they have the fringe on them? I'm like, well, he cut off most of it, but you can still see where it was. <laughs> they're eminently practical. Why are you looking at yeah. me like that? Right. Also, all chaps are assless. Mm-hmm. So at least get your terminology right. And again, I think that did not help my case. <laughs> right. You're like, why do you so know so much about the asslessness of chaps? It's like, no, well, I don't know, shut I'm up. I'm lucky, all right? <laughs> <laughs> so another one of your topics that I wanted to mention was you had a, a very affecting article talking about your mom and radio and requests. Yes, thank you. And I think if you were making the math of you, Bingo, along with fantasy novels and Sailor Moon and a number of other things that come up on the regular. Radio has got to be one that just continues to, like, taping stuff off the radio and mm-hmm. like, the power of radio to give you new music. So did you want to talk a little to that? Yeah, sure. So that article, that was the last article that I wrote for The Toast before it, it disappeared. Yeah, it was, it was something I worked on off and on for years because it's something that's always on my mind. So as I mentioned earlier, my father was a DJ on the radio. So radio was kind of always a part of my life within and without my family. So one of the earliest memories that I have is my mom telling me about one of her early memories about listening to the radio when she was a little girl growing up on a farm in upstate New York and hearing Eleanor Rigby for the first time, Mm. being really kind of touched by, you know, the sort of ah, look at all the lonely people and sort of feeling like a lonely person herself, even though she was like, you know, probably nine. So when the song stopped, she was thinking to herself, like, oh, I just want to hear it again. Like, please let them play it again. And they actually did play the song again. Uh-huh. Which is like, I mean, how many times have you wished that, right? When you're listening to the radio and, like, you can't rewind it and you just want to hear it again. And, like, the fact that that actually happened to my mom, obviously it stuck with me. And it was on my mind for a long time. You know, like every day, taping things off the radio and just waiting, waiting, waiting for my favorite song to come on. And that's not really a part of my life. Right? You can hear your favorite song anytime, which is great. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But it's a very different relationship 
And yeah, it's like speaking of my dad again. Like he used to explain that they, that he was given a transistor radio for his birthday, and batteries were really expensive. And so he was given a fresh set of batteries and told by his dad they had to last him a while. And of course, what he did is he took the radio into bed with him and held it under his pillow so he could listen to it through his pillow. And he said that he drifted away to smoke gets in your eyes by the platters, then fell asleep and left the radio on. Uh, yeah. And his father was really upset with him the next day because he had wasted his whole batteries in one night. <laughs> and he wouldn't get another one for a while. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, yeah. so he, he would tell that story every time because we, we would always listen to oldies radio in the car. And so oh, he would yeah. tell that story whenever it came on. He would be like, there's the platters again. You know, I fell asleep to that song. And Yes, Dad, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... Considering the myriad technical problems, we should probably wrap this up. I hope we can salvage some of this. Okay. Yeah, me too. All right, Karen. So if people wanted to find your stuff on the internet. For a sec. I'm going to assume you asked where people could find me on the internet. Yes, indeed. Okay. So on Twitter, I'm at new old Karen. And then you can read those things that I beg people to let me write at Karen Corday, K-A-R-E-N-C-O-R-D-A-Y.com. And oh, my karaoke advice column is at Tumblr. So karaokeadvice.tumblr.com. And we're always looking for new questions. So if you have any, you know, pressing karaoke questions, please send them to me. I may, in fact, ask one about the appropriateness of drunk frat boys getting up to do rap songs at karaoke. Oh, I have a lot to say about that. Spoiler. But, yeah. It's not good. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Spoiler. No. But yeah. Happy to expand on that, so send it along. Show me your very much to Karen Corday for her time. For Karen's signature cocktail, she said she'd drink pretty much anything, but recommended a michelada, or a michelada for those of you who don't feel like pronouncing it properly. What I've done is I've taken a classic michelada, and I've added a little bit of something extra to make it just a touch sassy. So I present the sassy michelada. Take a tall glass and run a lime wedge around the outside and dip it in some kosher salt. Fill it with ice and add four dashes of hot sauce. Add in half an ounce of lime juice and an ounce of reposado tequila. Pour in a full bottle or can of a relatively light tasting pilsner. Go with something like a Tecate or a Rio Bravo. Nothing that you'll really miss in the fridge. Garnish with a lime wedge. Dear Diary, today I got loaded and made some excellent decisions. Enjoy!
The Math View is recorded in Leichhardt, New South Wales, Australia, and is written, hosted, and edited by yours truly, Lucas Brown. New episodes of the show are released every Wednesday evening, and if you'd like to be a guest on the show, simply send an email to themathofyou at gmail.com and tell us what you'd like to talk about. You can follow the show on Twitter at themathofyou, and you can follow my wacky adventures at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D, on Twitter and Instagram, and Lokified82 on Snapchat. So like I said last week, I'm barely using Snapchat anymore. If you have a few dollars kicking around and would like to directly support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash lokify and pledge as little as a dollar a month. Or you can pledge as much as you want. You could drop like a grand. That would impress me. Patrons get bonus cocktail recipes, physical rewards, and I would really just appreciate it a whole bunch. If you'd like to support non-monetarily, you can go to Apple Podcasts in the country of your choice and leave me a five-star rating. It helps people find the show. Or you could write a review and I'll read it out. Won't that be nice? If you like the music I play on the show, there's a Spotify playlist for that. Go to bit.ly slash themathofyou, with capitals at the beginning of each word, to find a Spotify playlist going all the way back to episode one with every song I've ever used. That's like 16 hours of music, including this one. Of course it's Prince. It's gotta be Prince. No way I'm ending the show with David Lee Roth. I update the playlist as soon as the new episode goes live, so make sure you subscribe and get the new music in your ears. Next week, I'll be talking to Katie Schenkel, comic book writer and podcaster, about Fox Kids cartoons. Join me, won't you? Remind me of something James used to say. I like them fat. I like them proud. You got to have a mother for me. Now move your big ass around this way so I can work on that zipper, big day. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I am living in the chaos that is the Roberts Brown household. <laughs> as literally as a plane goes over. <laughs> We've got a we've got a dog running around bringing his toys to the baby who think they are fantastic oh. toys that he should play with despite being covered right. in dog germ. Uh, <laughs> we have a baby who is hungry and is happy to eat but has decided that whenever the spoon gets near his mouth he should swing up both of his arms like a Venus flytrap and grab it with both hands. <laughs> and who will occasionally like sneeze and cause an explosion like when the Alley of Sauron is halfway to the ground and explodes and obliterates the tower, like that, but with, like, apple oh. puree. <laughs> well, that's a lot. That is, that is a lot. How old is the baby? He's nine months old. Oh. So he's geez. young enough to still be a baby, but old enough to be getting into trouble. Right, right, right. He's, like, realizing, oh, I have agency. I can do things with my arms. <laughs> yeah, I, I can climb on stuff. I can right. reach things and put them in my mouth. <laughs> Classic. I also have enough agency that I can refuse things. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and um, also at some point, it's being predicted in the next 30 minutes to an hour, a grocery delivery is going to arrive. <laughs> So, okay. at some point, if I go, crap, the doorbell is ringing, and you hear me rush off and, like, shuffle a bunch of bags, that would be why. <laughs> okay. All right. Understood. So, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. I'm, not, I'm having a very easygoing... Well, it's 
still Saturday here. Um, all things considered, now that I've heard what's going on with you. Yep, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's, um, I know it's like I'm sounding like the perpetual complainer, but it's like, it's been that kind of week. Like, I've, yeah. I've had like discoveries, because we're going to a, a friend's wedding next month which is in bali and so oh, wow it's a very popular holiday destination for australians and mm-hmm. so we're going to like this jungle wedding and it's super cool uh, and then i realized that in october my canadian passport expired so i, I was like oh crap I, I gotta get on that so i got on that in february and that was a huge bureaucratic nightmare that i'm not gonna recount and cost me <laughs> a bunch of money to get a new passport for like 10 years uh-huh. and then i was like oh well, i need to get a new label which is my visa label that lives in the passport I told my boss, I'm, like, I'm going to take a day off. I'll take annual leave and I'll go down to the immigration office and get my new label. I have no idea how long it's going to take. I think the DMV times a million. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, you know, my partner who's from the Philippines can just get hers digitally. And I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. I should look into that. Cue like three days of infuriating forms later. <laughs> I'm just like, I still need to take the day off. I'm not going in, but I still need to take the day off to do all these fucking applications. Right, right. Oh, it's like, God. It's like $365 to renew my resident return visa, which expired in November. And it's an extra $80 if you go in and do it in person and make them look at you. <laughs> oh, of course. Like, literally, it's like $365 and then $80 non-online application fee. <laughs> Of course. Looking someone in the face is definitely, you know, should cost $80. Exactly. It seems seems and then, fair. And yeah. what's funny is that the four times I've been halfway through the application and realized I don't have some vital piece of information and have to cancel it mm-hmm. and start it another day. Oh, So it's no. like, I have my visa block number. I don't have my issue date of my visa because I don't, like... I just I have it from a previous email, or I have a picture of a passport that I sent to Kimiko for a lease application a year and a half ago, or something. But it's always like, oh, but do you have the issue location of the last passport? Right. No, I don't. Like, no. Right to the back of the line. No one knows what that is. Yeah. Yeah, My favorite thing was like, I had my old passport application, and I got my new one, and they're like, okay, well, we've got your new passport, great. Yeah, put that in. You got your visa details, yep. However, your visa is linked to your old passport, so you need to complete a 929 form, which adds your new passport to your account. (laughs) And that takes two working days to process, and it's like, it's the cycle of bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. It'll wear you down. Yeah, it's like you've seen. Have you seen that Brooklyn Nine Nine episode where Amy goes to get like a block party permit and she's like, this. I haven't. Oh, it's just she goes with Rosa and Amy is like gushing about how the city bureaucracy is the best and how she's prepared for everything and oh, I've got all these forms and before the woman can say, well, you also need a, she's like, I've already got one of those. I filled it out. It's right here. I've read every subclause and then she's like, but in order to submit the second form, you need to have already submitted the first form. And she's like, but, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. This is just the episode that doesn't want to happen. I know. I know. I I feel terrible. I don't know what I'm, what I'm, what, like, curse I'm bringing to your, your operation. <laughs> it's like everything explodes, the episode. Uh, yeah. Good. What's going to happen next? Cool. Alright, I'm gonna hit record on Audacity and cross my fingers and hope everything doesn't explode. Okay. Me too. Error while opening sound device. Are you kidding me? Alright, I'm closing closing Audacity. Alright, you're launching it. Oh, and the recorder's starting again. 
I really oh, hope boy. all these stitch together or it's just gonna be this nightmare thing. That's okay, we'll persevere. Okay, alright.